So note to self, y'all like riddles. All right. So we're going to be back in the book of Exodus. If you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks, we started Exodus in a, a sermon series that we're calling Be Delivered. And uh, to this morning, we're going to be in chapter 5, and we're going to kind of take this through chapter 6 and, and kind of pause um, at chapter 7, verse 7. As I was reading this this week, I, I, I was kind of thinking back to my life and, and kind of what we were just talking about with the kids, and sometimes things are just not easy. And I remember my very first management position, I was about 22 years old, and I was uh, put in charge of a restaurant at a hotel, a bar, and a room service operation. And I went in there with, guess how many years of experience? Zero. No experience. I had no experience. I walked into this job. I'm just a, a, a skinny kid trying to figure out life. And I go in there, and my, for some reason or another, there were several upper management individuals who said, I want you in this job. I'm like, okay. And they said, okay, all I want you to do, Ryan, is I want you to focus on the people, and I want you to focus on the service. I go, okay, I can handle that. And like all the other stuff, you'll learn along the way. And if you need help with something, your chef will be by your side to help you. I'm like, okay, I can handle that. As you can probably imagine, it was not an easy position even knowing that I had people by my side. And if I had any issues, all I had to go do was run to my chef. It was still not an easy job because sometimes they weren't there. Sometimes they weren't available. Sometimes things came up that I just was not prepared for. So even though it was difficult, I, I knew that I had this support system around me, and, and I knew that they still trusted me to do the job, but it was still difficult, right? And I'm sure we've all kind of been in situations like that where it's still difficult regardless of everything we have around us. And I, like I said, I couldn't help but thinking about that when I was looking at this section of Scripture this week, because what we do see, let me put this on, do not disturb real quick. Because what we do see is that, that Moses and Aaron are commissioned by God and they're sent out by God to carry out this mission. And we're going to see in this passage this morning that it's not a very easy path, even with that in mind. So in this section this morning, we'll see that, that Moses and Aaron, they go straight to work. As soon as they finish this, this conversation with the elders, they go straight to work, and we're going to see that kind of play out and see how that starts off. And they know what they're supposed to do. They know what their mission is. They know what their journey is supposed to look like. And, but they also know that God's by their side. And because of that, they, 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 they okay, they're going to just take it by the, the, the shoe, and they're going to just move forward, right? So but at the same time, they're kind of learning as they go, aren't they? They're kind of learning as they go. So in order to kind of set this passage up, I want to back up a little bit and look at a verse we looked at last week. Uh, Exodus 3.18 tells us this, and this is when the, the Lord is talking to Moses and telling him exactly what's going to happen. And he says here that they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go out and to the king of Egypt, and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So that's kind of what we see immediately when we get into this section in, in chapter 5, verse 1, is that this is kind of where, where 
Moses and Aaron are starting. They're starting with this command, and they're going to go right into that. So let's take a look at how that reads. Listen carefully, because you'll see some differences in in the message that God gave them and how they approach it. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Say to, uh, went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go with three days' journey into the wilderness, that they may sacrifice the Lord our God lest he fall upon us with pestilence or the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their business or from their burdens. And the same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen that you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past, Let them go and gather straw from themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor and add it and pay no regard to lying words. Well, that didn't go as planned, right? This afterward, again, I think it alludes directly to what we saw at the end of chapter 4 last week. Chapter 4 last week, we see that that Aaron and Moses go to the elders, and they talk to the elders, and they all believed. And then it says afterward in verse 1 of chapter 5, afterward they go, and they go to to Pharaoh. So they immediately, they get get ready, and they go straight to work. But I want to point out a handful of things before we, we jump into the main idea for this morning. Uh, first thing I, I think is important to, to pay attention to is the idea that, that what, what Pharaoh's response to all this was. Pharaoh's response, I think we can at least take two things away. Number one, the most obvious is because he said is, I don't know the Lord. Pharaoh's like, I don't know the Lord. And, and, and if you think about the Pharaohs of those days, many of them were regarded as gods, and they placed themselves as gods over their people. So, of course, Pharaoh didn't know this Lord and didn't know this God. So by Pharaoh saying, you know, I don't know God, I don't know who this God is, he's like, who is this God who's going to tell me, another God, what to do? So there's one observation. second observation I think we can take from this, and again, it's pretty obvious, all they really cared about at this point was the work. Here he had this massive group of of Israelites who were doing a lot of work for him. They were doing the work that his people didn't want to do. So that's all he was caring about was the work output of these individuals. So in other words, when, when Pharaoh, if he was to follow the instruction of Moses and Aaron, not only would he be saying that their God is bigger than him, they would also be putting this this his economy and his workload put aside and that and pharaoh wasn't going to have that he was not going to have that he's like no way there's no way i'm going to let my work suffer and the work that these people are doing just so they can go off for a few days so his response i'm gonna make it even worse for you 
Notice earlier he said that they were idle. Like, they're so idle, if they have all this time on their hands, now they can go and collect their own stuff. I'm not going to provide this straw for you to help you with the binding agent. We already know from chapters 1 and 2 that we looked at a couple weeks ago that they were already heavily, they were already in this really bad place. And Pharaoh was already treating them so poorly that they were crying out to the Lord. So we see here that it was already poor conditions. Now it's even made worse by Pharaoh because of this request. And so this does lead us to our main idea and something we just talked about with, our, with the kids. Following God is not always easy. Following God is not always easy. And if you think about it, Jesus said the same thing to his disciples in John chapter 16. In that chapter and the surrounding chapters, John is preparing his disciples for his departure. And he says these words, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus already told his disciples this is going to be the way it is. So the question I want to ask and maybe something to consider is how do we respond in times of trouble? Now, realize I didn't say how should we respond. This is kind of how do we respond. How do we really respond? I think there's at least a couple things, at least for genuine Christians and others, and how they generally would respond. The first thing I think is we, we like to complain. A lot of times we like to complain, and that's exactly what we see from the people here. In verse 15, we see that the foremen went directly to Pharaoh, which is an interesting thing. These were the Israelite foremen. They went directly to Pharaoh instead of Moses. And, of course, that wasn't going to change anything. I don't think the foremen had that much clout where they were going to be able to make a change and and change Pharaoh's mind, particularly if if Moses and Aaron weren't going to be able to do that. And again, what we see here is Pharaoh, once again, was only concerned about their work, not their worship. And then we read in verses 20 and 21 that they complained to Moses and Aaron. So let's kind of look at that real quickly and see what they said to Moses and Aaron. So they met with Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to him, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So they were blaming Moses and blaming Aaron for what had happened. So surely Moses and Aaron was going to, at this point, like, no, remember guys, God said he was going to take you out of Israel or out of Egypt and take you to the promised land. Remember that. Remember God said that. We talked about this a couple days ago. Well, if you are here last week, you'll probably realize that, no, that's not exactly what's going to happen. Moses responds like this in verses 22 and 23. Moses turned to the Lord God, and he says, Oh, Lord, why have you done this evil to these people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people, to these people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Moses is like, God, you told me to do this. I did it. Pharaoh said, No, why? Now they're complaining to me. And we see this over and over, and I think this really does, and and I'm taking a little bit of a twist on this, but it does take us to that second way that we have a tendency to respond, and that's to pray. 
The other way we can respond and we do respond to these things is prayer. And here's the reality, of course, Moses is complaining to God. Moses is obviously complaining to God, and he's actually blaming God for this as well. But again, we we shouldn't be surprised by this, nor should Moses have been surprised. Last week, we looked at a couple verses that tell us that this this exact thing was going to happen. Uh, Exodus 3.19 says that, But we, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Chapter 4, verse 21, And the Lord said to Moses, when you, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Moses already was told that this was going to happen, yet he still went to God and said, God, why did you bring me here? Why did you do this to me? He warned him already, and I think that's why we can confirm that statement that, you know what, following God is not always easy. And aside from that, though, and I'm looking at this in a positive way, if you really think about what Moses was doing, it was a prayer, wasn't a good prayer necessarily, but was a prayer. What did he do? He went to God and said, God, why? God, I have this problem and I'm taking it to you. God, the people have an issue and they're bringing it to me and I'm bringing that to you. This is really a hint to what we see from Moses in the future when he continuously goes before God in intercessory prayer before the pe- for the people. So he is speaking to God and he is taking his concerns to God, and that really is part of, of why we can say, you know what, this, this could be a prayer. just wasn't worded in the way that probably we should word it. And I think this, this is a, a foreshadowing, again, of how Moses did intercede before God for the people. And I think if you look at it in the positive manner, we can see that, that Moses is growing. He's starting to grow at this point, and we'll see that as we continue this book. And then we get into chapter 6. Chapter 6 has been actually said by some to be some of, uh, of, what, uh, of a second affirmation of this calling from God that we saw last week. It, it's, it's, it's a second affirmation, and what we can learn from this chapter is this. Um, we can learn and how, how, and we can discover how we can find comfort during these times of trouble. How do we f- f- uh, find comfort in times of trouble? And if you think about and you look at God's response to Moses' so-called prayer, it was almost dismissive. He heard him and he said, let's move. Let's move forward, Moses. Let's move forward. He doesn't directly respond, but instead he, he tells him in verse 1, He says, but the Lord God said to Moses, now you shall see what I'll do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out, and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. So what does he do? He doesn't answer his prayer. He says, Moses, now we're going to get back to work. Let me refocus you, and we're going to get right back to work. He's going to push them out. He will actually ask them to leave. That's what's going to happen, and we'll see this a little bit later as well. And God's reminding Moses, he's like, Moses, I told you this wasn't going to be easy. And he's telling us the same thing, I believe, as well. It's not going to always be easy. Think about your own lives. Did he promise you that your marriages were going to be easy? Did he promise you that, that parenting was going to be easy? Did he promise you that, that school was going to be easy? 
I know some of you big brains in here are really good in school, so it probably is. Did God ever say that, that your job, your career path was going to be easy? No, he never did. And what we will see in this section here, and, and through the example we'll see from the people of Israel, is that there are some things that God did say he will do. And I think it's a really neat, neat, neat thing we'll see here in a moment. And that does lead us to our first point under this section, and that's that, that we are to remember that God is God, and you are not. God is God, and you are not. And that's, uh, I want to take a look at that chapter 6, verses 2 through 5, to kind of see what this means here a little bit. So starting at verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. So God's like, he begins that whole section, I am the Lord. Don't forget that, Moses. I am directing your path. God's like, Moses, we talked about this already. I'm with you. I am who I am. Remember that conversation we had? Right? He's telling him these things. I read this this week, and I think it's really important for us to see this entire section and how it sets up the rest of a book. In Exodus 3, 1 through uh, 7, 7, which is partially the, the passage we're looking at today, it, as a whole, it, form, it forms a large unit that's unified by a central theme, that the God of Israel is in control. And this main way that this theme is presented by the reiteration of the divine name in chapter 3, 14, and 15, and in chapter 6, verse 3, in this reoccurring reference of God being the I am. So that we, we see that this theme is being carried out through this statements. And because of this, we, can, we also can, can look at this and remember that God is faithful even when we're not. God is faithful even when we are not. And earlier we said that, that following God is hard sometimes. And, and I would also add, though, it's, it's worth it. And we'll see that here in a few moments. Um, and what we see in this next section, God's going to show us um, these seven I will statements that we find in verses 6 through 8. Um, so let's read those. And what I'm going to do on the board, you'll see that they're highlighted and they're numbered. So you can kind of see specifically these verses emphasized and these statements emphasized by God. And I'll, I'll share something here in a moment that's pretty interesting as well. Verse 6, say therefore to the people, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you out or take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from the, under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to, that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. 
Did you see those seven I will statements there? And then it's bookended how? I am the Lord. He bookends this, I, this entire section here and these seven I will statements with I am the Lord, which is foundational to what we'll see later in the revelation of the law. It's foundational to the law. And what's really neat about this section, these I will statements are in what's called the perfect tense. So these are absolute certainties that's going to occur. This I will is not just something like I have a plan. It it is an absolute certainty that it will occur. So they can be comforted in the fact that God's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And we have to believe that too in our lives regardless of what we might be going through. Verse 9 tells us that, that he relies, he relays this information to the people, and the people believe, and they're, they're, they're all rejoicing, right? No, unfortunately not. They're distraught. They're reminded of those days back in chapter 2 when they had to cry out to the Lord. They're reminded of those days again. They feel like they're in that same position where they're crying out to the Lord. They're not... They're too distraught to listen to Moses' comforting words in these seven I will statements from God. It's just not something they're willing to take on. So God's response is what? God's response is to take Moses and and Aaron and put them back out to work. God's a God of action, and I think that's a great lesson for us. When God says, go, we go. When God says, stop, I will open up another door for you, we wait for the other door. And I think um, that's what we see here from, from God, and that's his response to this groaning. He's like, okay, Moses and Aaron will get back to work to do what I've tasked them to do. And if you're looking at this and you're following along, verses 14 through 25, there's an awkward break in the, in the dialogue here, and it's a genealogy. So we're going to spend the next 45 minutes going over that genealogy, just making sure you're still paying attention. So this genealogy is really there only to, in, in my opinion, only to, to connect Aaron and Moses to Israel and to Levi you know, and it's kind of helping us to kind of bridge this this connection here as well. So we get into chapter 7. Uh, today we're only covering those first seven verses. Next week we'll cover the rest. And as we open up this, this section, what it does is it helps us to kind of set up what we're going to see from that point forward. Um, and these these are, and what we'll see from there are the signs that, that God has, has given Moses to Pharaoh. But in our text, there's a couple things I wanted to point out. First thing is that we're going to see that, that one of the purposes of this entire journey that Moses is being taken on is for people to know that he is God. So one of the purposes is for them to know that he is God, including the Egyptians. And we see that in verse 5, where it says, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I stretch out my hand against Egypt and I bring the people out of Israel from among them. It doesn't mean that they will believe in the redeeming Lord, but they will know that he is Lord. They will know that he is God. And then the second thing we see here in verse 6 is we see that Moses and Aaron become obedient to God's word and to God's command. It says Moses and Aaron did so, and they did just as the Lord commanded them. Sometimes it takes us a few hits 
and a few times getting up in order for us to finally go and do what God is asking for us. So what are the implications? What are the implications for me? And I think first thing we can be reminded of is that we need to remember that there will be trials. And we saw this earlier. We have to remember that there'll be trials. And we saw this when we opened up the book of James last year, didn't we? We saw that in the book of James. James 1, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. James reminds us, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And if you're here yesterday for our men's breakfast, we talked about that a little bit. We talked about that a little bit. God, God gave us that passage in 2 Corinthians that matched up perfectly to what we're seeing today. Pure coincidence, right? We have a choice, just like we saw earlier, we have a choice to complain about these circumstances or we can pray over these circumstances. And here's what happens when we pray about these things. When we pray about these things, we're asking God to help us to understand the purpose of what's happening. When we're praying about these things, we're asking God to help to reveal himself to us and reveal to him, himself during this trial so we can draw closer to him. Prayer is a very powerful thing that we can do, particularly in those times of trouble. But what we fail to do sometimes in those really, really high times, we tend to forget to pray. And we tend to forget to give that to him just as much. And the next thing we can see here and what we need to do is we need to aim to be obedient. We need to aim to be obedient. So when we're talking about obedience um, in this context, we're not only talking about following the rules. That's part of it, but that's not only what we're talking about. Just like we talked about last week, what we are speaking of is this need to do what God's asking us to do. Instead of fighting him about it, we need to do what we need to do and what he's called us to do. And when we're obedient, it shows God what? It shows him that we trust him enough to do what he's asked us to do and that he's going to take us through that journey to exactly his purpose. We, we are trusting that he's going to provide for us during that time. We're trusting that he's going to guide us. We're trusting that he's going to equip us. And that's what obedience shows. And then finally, the third thing is we need to surrender all to the Lord. We need to surrender all to the Lord. And we can look at this in two ways. In the immediate context of what we're looking at today in our passage today, it's really just a matter of, of surrendering everything that we have and all of our, our goals and all of our possessions and, and all these things. We're just surrendering it all to him. We're just surrendering these things to him. When we're suffering, we surrender. When we're joyful, we surrender. In all things, we surrender. And this is really accomplished in a couple of ways. We can, we can do that again in prayer. We can do that in, in the study and meditation of God's word. We can do that in acts of worship and thanksgiving. Those are just a few things that we can do to show our obedience and to show that, that way and that, that surrender. And the second thing we can do, probably in a, in a much larger context, is in the context of eternity, is we can we need to surrender all to him through repentance and faith. 
So maybe today you're not here. Maybe today, if you're looking, if you're watching online or you're here in person, you haven't surrendered all to Him, and you're not a, a believer and a Savior God. This is this is for you. This is that time for you to do that. This is that time where you have to be obedient and you have to to surrender these things to Him. Maybe it's doubt that's stopping you. We all have doubts. Maybe you've had a bad experience in church. Well, I tell you what, church is not, we don't have faith in the church. We, we, come, out, we come to church to, to live out our faith and, and to worship as a group. And if you, it's a product and a byproduct of our faith. And just remember, though, ch- church is, is filled with sinners. Right? That means we're imperfect. I mean, churches are imperfect, and the people in it are imperfect. And that's why it's important for us to surrender to God and to trust in him, not in a a person or a a group of individuals or a church. Whatever that reason might be, I, I, I pray that you can reconsider that. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, I, I, I pray that you surrender that and you reconsider because in, in light of what we've seen already today and what we've seen and what we will see throughout this series is God is going to do what he's going to do. God is faithful and he will carry out his promises. God is faithful to carry out his promises and we can have that confidence based off of our passage today and, and even last week. We can have confidence that he's in complete control of everything that happens. So surrendering to him is acknowledging that God is Lord, King, ruler of your life. So I pray that you can do that today. We open this morning with this realization that sometimes we're, we're kind of forced to, to learn as we go. And I think that's true of the Christian life, isn't it? You know, most Christians, if they, they come to know the Lord, particularly late in life, they haven't read their Bibles before. They don't know what they're reading. They don't know exactly what all this means. They don't know how Genesis is connected to First Peter. Yeah, they don't see that connection. And, and sometimes we are kind of learning as we go. And we all see that in, in, in our lives, we know that there's going to be trials. There's going to be testing. And we know that the testing is something that, that builds our, our faith and it strengthens our faith. And we saw again, obviously, that, you know what, following God is not always easy. But we can have confidence and we know that that even if it's not easy, we know that if God's alongside of us and if we're following his will and if we're following what he's asked us to do, he's going to see it through to the end. And that's where we can have that confidence Maybe your year, or what, how many days into the year, 15 days in the year, maybe it started off pretty bad. Maybe you've been sick, maybe a loved one's been sick, maybe there's been unexpected uh, death or, or, or issues that has had occurred in your life, and, and those are hard to deal with, and we get that. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with health issues personally, or, or maybe, maybe you're just unsure of your call. And, and what God has called you to do in your life. But just remember, if, if whatever you're facing today, whatever you've been facing this year or for several months, years, if it will, whatever 
you've been going through, just remember that if you have your faith in, in Christ, that means God is by your side. God is with you through those pains, through the hurt, through the heartache. And again, it may not go away, but we can be confident that he's still there and he's going to carry us through to the end. And he can use us even in those times. So the question remains, have you done that? Have you surrendered all to him? Have you surrendered all to Christ? So if you have not, I, I pray and I ask, will you do that today? Let's pray. Father, I know that as I even look around this room, there's, there's a lot of people who are going through something. And it's hard to, to see that. It's hard to, to hear about it. And, and we take that to you each and every time that we know and learn about it. And we, we trust, God, that you're going to carry us through to the end, whatever that end looks like. And we need to, to, to understand, God, that, that you have a purpose through all this. And maybe we don't fully understand what that purpose is. And I pray, God, that because of that, that we just take a, a, an extra step in our faith and, and carrying it to you, taking it to you, and asking you to reveal this plan, asking you to reveal your heart, asking us to reveal you to us so we can fully take joy even in trials that we face. And Father, whatever anybody might be dealing with here, I just ask God that you just speak to them in a very, very special way, in a way that, that only you can speak and in a way that they only can receive that word so that, God, you are glorified through them and that your name is glorified amongst the people. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.